Welcome to the show. I am the Chief Exceptional Officer at DAS HR Consulting, specializing in human resources and diversity programs and services for small to mid-sized companies. We create non-traditional and unique programs to fit your company goals and objectives. We have been in business for 13 years with clients in various industries. This is CEO Interviews with Dr. Dye. Welcome to the show. So glad to have you. Uh, of course, I love doing these videos and webcasts. I get the great fortune of interviewing today Dr. Brian Dixon. He's the CEO of Mindful and Simply Psych. So welcome to the show, Dr. Thank, Brian. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Dai. Yeah. It's good to be here. Great. So you're the CEO of two companies. Yes. Which is awesome. So tell us about both of the companies yeah. and what their vision is. Yeah. So Mindful is a direct practice company. So I work directly with patients. As a psychiatrist, I get to work directly with patients to help them feel better. So that's the first company. And then out of that company, I grew Simply Psych, which is a practice management company. It's it's where I learned all the mistakes in running my own business, and then I put them in their own company. Wow. Yeah. So tell us about your, uh, I know you can't talk a lot about the uh, mm -hmm. practice of who, who and what, <laughs> but tell us a little bit about what you do mm -hmm. in Mindful, yes. like the type of clients that you serve, mm -hmm. so, and, and then Simply Psych yeah. as well. Yeah, perfect. So um, in Mindful, so I'm a psychiatrist and I get to work directly with patients. And so uh, my youngest is three, my oldest is like 75. So, and we treat basically everything, any, any type of depression, anxiety, those sorts of things. And so I'm the owner, but I also work in the company. So I'm, in, I'm employed in, that, in my own company. And then um, I run uh, Simply Psych, which manages the practice. So all of the HR stuff that you are so well versed in, I get to know a little bit about, I, I dibble and dabble, if you will. Uh, and I get to work with employees and make sure that our um, staffing, our scheduling, our um, financials, that's what that, uh, that's what Simply Psych does, both for my practice, as well as other therapist groups. Oh, so you are a consultant to in, other therapists. In groups. a sense, yes. Uh huh. And uh, the good thing is I know my limits. And so anytime I have a really difficult HR question, I reach out to professionals like you. Oh, yeah. well, great. <laughs> so tell us how many employees you have um, and what the challenges are for recruiting and retention. Yeah. So uh, in Mindful, there are four uh, doctors. So uh, it's a physician-owned company um, as a professional association in the state of Texas. And then Simply Psych is a PLLC, and we have a total of six employees. Um, and that's one of the challenges. So finding uh, employees, especially in this, this marketplace where there are jobs galore, is really, really difficult. Uh, the other problem is, yeah, it's really tough to retain folks if, uh, as a small business, we don't have all the 401ks and the health insurance perks to try to keep people invested in this particular job. And so we spend a lot of time on culture. We, we really want an inclusive culture where people feel valued and heard. Um, and it's, 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 it's daunting. I, I, I spend a lot of time on social media trying to find people. 
Well, great to have you because this is going yeah. on yeah. social media. <laughs> so are they all doctors? Uh, not all doctors. So uh, some doctors over uh, in, the, in the company known as Mindful, those are all doctors. Uh, in Simply Sight, it's everybody. We've recruited folks from the hospitality industry. We've recruited folks from the, uh, uh, the medical practice industry. Um, some folks uh, were fresh out of uh, college and just learning how to write newsletters and communication. So we, it's, a, it's a big mix of people. So tell us about your education, um, because I know uh, in Texas, it's very hard to find psychiatrists. Correct. Um, you can find psychologists. Correct. So you can talk a little bit about the difference, yeah. uh, which helps uh, all of us to yeah. understand. Yeah that type of difference. Yeah, so um, uh, the difference, so both psychologists and psychiatrists go to uh, a four-year college of, of their choosing, the, and then that's where they split. Psychologists go to graduate school for three to seven years, depending on what type of degree they want, uh, either a PhD or a PsyD. And then um, uh, doctors go to medical school, so they'll spend another four years for that. And then for psychiatry, you have to do an additional four to five years to be a psychiatrist. So it's about a 12 to 13 year investment. Um, and unfortunately, they don't teach you how to be a CEO at any point. And so I came out of residency going, hey, I want to start my own practice, but I have no idea how to run a business. And so I just made it up as I went along. So there is no how to be a business owner because most of your uh, compatriots mm -hmm. in the industry have their own practice. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, so most of them are employed. They will go and work for a big uh, uh, health system, that sort of thing. Uh, and yeah, so as a result, there are very few of us in private practice, which makes it so hard to find a psychiatrist. Yeah. Oh, I mm -hmm. see. Yeah. So most psychiatrists mm -hmm. do have their own business or do they work for hospitals? They work for hospitals. So, and that's another, uh, and this is why I love being on this, this podcast because you concentrate on small to medium businesses. Uh -huh. Well, they work for the bigger uh, systems because they offer all those perks. And so that's where I have to work twice as hard as a CEO to recruit people out of those health systems. Uh, and uh, the way that I do it currently is I make sure that they feel heard. Uh, all of my employees feel heard and valued. We compensate, I think, very fairly. Uh, and then I try to empower them. So that's part of that retention part. I want to empower them to make changes in their job that they feel are, are meaningful and worthwhile. Do you provide health care? Uh, so strangely enough, it is prohibitively expensive for me to provide health insurance to my employees. And so we bump our wages up. We actually give people more money so that if they wanna buy a short-term short -term plan, if they want to, um, uh, most of my employees actually uh, use their spouse's insurance, as, as strange as that sounds. So yeah, it's, it's one of the, the hiccups of being a small business owner. Wow. I know. So, I mean, um, that's, that's a challenge for all um, CEOs in small companies. Um, so how do you learn about being a CEO? What kind of resources as a small business owner do you try to find mm -hmm. to understand 
how to run your business. Yeah, networking has been the most helpful. So I've uh, talked to other entrepreneurs and said, I don't know what I'm doing. How do y'all do it? Um, and then I've hired business coaching. I've hired consultants, lawyers, that sort of thing. And the key for me and the thing that I would tell everybody that's listening to this podcast as a CEO is hire good people. I, I, I made the worst mistakes because I thought, oh, I can just do it myself. I'm a doctor. I can just figure it out. No, ma'am. That is not how this works. Hire good people to make sure that you get good processes that are ironclad. And that has been the most helpful piece of advice I've ever gotten. Wow. So... What do you plan for your business? Do you uh, want to grow? Uh, you have nine employees, mm -hmm. right? What's your vision, future vision for the next three years? Yeah, so the, the big vision, the 20 year vision is that everybody can find their therapist. I always tell folks, everybody deserves a good therapist. And so uh, I, that's, that's the overall vision. The way that we make that happen is that those therapists are really good at doing patient care, but most of them are not good at the back office stuff. The calling, the phone calling, the scheduling, rescheduling, managing all of your social media and your marketing and that sort of thing and HR. And so I want to be that company that provides that back office support for therapists. And that way, everybody can find the therapist because the therapist will be able to be found and then the therapist can give those uh, patients their undivided attention. So the next three-year plan is to really, really, really find good people so that we can scale. And it's it, it's daunting, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the challenge. So you're in Fort Worth. I'm in Fort Worth. You're mm -hmm. in Fort Worth, which we have very few um, psychiatrists. That's correct. Um, do you plan to grow into Dallas? Yes. Um, and I don't know what the market is in <laughs> Dallas. I'm sure you've done some research. Um, and expand into um, other places in Texas. Mm -hmm. So uh, just a, a bit of some data. So for example, child psychiatrists. So I'm a child psychiatrist. I get to work with kids and adults. Um, I think there's 20 million people in Texas. I think probably more and there are 630 child psychiatrists for all of Texas. That's, that's how, how dire the need is. Oh my god. Yeah, and so part of my goal in expanding statewide is to make it more attractive to pull other child psychiatrists from other states. It's a competitive market, y'all. And so I want them to move to Texas because once you're in Texas, especially with telemedicine, you can then uh, contact all uh, the counties in Texas through telemedicine, but you have to be in the state first. And so um, I, one of the, uh, the market things that I'm hoping to do is recruit psychiatrists, child psychiatrists, and adult psychiatrists from other states, get them here in Texas, support them, help them feel loved and appreciated. Right. And then through that, they can go out and work with as many people as possible. So that's kind of the, the two-layer step. Wow, that's a great <laughs> goal. Um, so when they get out of med school, Correct. do they usually go back to their home Ooh, state? Yeah, so that's a tricky one. And this is one of those. Uh, so uh, where you go to med school, most people don't stick around there because you have to do that additional layer of training, which we call residency. And once you do your residency, you tend to stay where your residency is. And so I did my residency in Kentucky and I literally thought about staying in Kentucky. I'm from Texas, um, uh, but I, I needed to come back because the queso is much better here. So I just don't go to Kentucky and try to get queso. Um, and, uh, and my family's here. And so um, uh, there is a movement afoot uh, statewide to bring more residencies here, to create more, uh, to have the hospitals create more residencies. 
uh, for psychiatry so that then psychiatrists stay here. In the meantime, and that's a three to five year process, in the meantime, we need to recruit them from outside and so that's why my goal is, is recruitment. So I understand there's not a lot of child psychiatry in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Is that true? It is. And so unfortunately, um, it takes an extra year of training um, oh. to become a child psychiatrist. So in order to be a child, child psychiatrist, you have to be a board certified adult psychiatrist first. Oh. And that's already four years of training. And then you, most times you have to add one to two more years. Um, and, uh, and the work of a, a child psychiatrist is really challenging because you, you don't just have one patient, you have the patient and the parent and then the relationship between the two. So you're actually doing three times the work in the same amount of time. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I'm, I, I wanna focus just on adults and, and they go into adult psychiatry. And so that makes the, uh, the shortage even worse. So Dr. Brian, how about the diversity um, of your patients, particularly COVID. Mm -hmm. It affected children and adults. Talk about the diversity of the patients and then the diversity of your psychiatrist mm -hmm. in your practice. Yeah, so uh, the diversity of our patients, so depending on what level of care you're in, so I'm an outpatient, uh, which means uh, someone will see me maybe once a month to once every six months. Um, and my current uh, kind of mix right now, I'd say 20 to 30% are um, uh, people of color, either adults or kids. Um, and that was pre-COVID. After COVID happened, um, I would say it's probably dwindled a little bit. So maybe 15 to 20%, and I'm not exactly sure why. Um, now, there are other ways of getting into psychiatry, uh, either um, hospital systems and that sort of thing, uh, community networks. And so um, I'm sure their demographics are, are what they are, um, but it is, it is a challenge uh, because uh, good healthcare costs money. And right. so it's, it's, uh, it's this mix of trying to figure out insurance and not insurance, um, um, how to reach people. Uh, sometimes you need to do Google ads or sometimes you need to send out mailers and all that stuff just costs a lot of money. Right. And as a small business, it's really tough to compete with those the, the big corporate um, uh, folks uh, when it comes to money and marketing. How about the diversity of your staff? Yeah, so I am very deliberate in going out and making sure that my staff looks like the uh, population that we serve and the population as a whole. Um, it is a challenge. I, it's almost like a uh, kind of like a DEI tax because I have to spend countless hours, additional hours to try to find uh, Latinx and uh, African-American uh, doctors, uh, staff members, uh, physician assistants. It's really, really tough. So right now, um, I don't know all the, uh, the demographics, uh, but um, I'd say we're 50% uh, uh, women and, uh, and men. And then um, uh, we have, um, I'd say probably 25% um, uh, minority uh, in, the, in both companies combined. So back to my question, do you plan to do Dallas? How about Austin? Yeah. So, <laughs> Since it's so limited. I mean, 682 yeah, psychiatrists? Something like that. Yeah, it's less than 700 uh, child psychiatrists for oh. all of Texas. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Adult psychiatrists, I want to say there's maybe 1,400, I think is what That's the- That's still low it, for is still the population. Correct, correct. And so, yes, we will expand, but COVID taught us something very powerful when it comes to real estate. So when I, um, uh, when I leased office space and then we couldn't use it because we, right. I mean, 
mean, you couldn't have face-to-face -face visits. It was really tough on the bottom line. Uh, there was some, some touch and go moments there. Uh, and so we're having to pivot and, um, uh, and incorporate more of that telemedicine uh, experience. Well, now that we've done it, now that we have that infrastructure in our company, we can now expand to anywhere. And so even if I have my doctors here, they can reach down to Houston, they can reach out to um, the, the Valley, they can reach out to El Paso, that sort of thing. It's just building that, that internal infrastructure to make it work. Um, and I'm looking forward to it, but we just need more people. So I'm, I'm, I'm actively looking for more, um, more psychiatrists, especially those who can speak Spanish because we don't have anybody on staff who can oh, speak Spanish. And that's a, that's a challenge. It totally is. And that it's is, not yeah. just in your industry, mm -hmm. it's in other mm -hmm. industries. Uh, construction is, is pretty good, mm -hmm. but when you go out to the professionals, mm -hmm. it's just a challenge uh, for all of us. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. How, what an education for you know my audience about um, this kind of industry. Um, and so it, do you see telemedicine continuing? Um, I think uh, because we keep getting uh, you know this these phases of COVID and, uh, I call all of them super COVID or, you know, all of that. So do you see that happening more and more? Correct. It, and telemedicine and telepresence will be a staple from now until forever. Um, and in a sense, I think it's kind of a good thing. It's a, it's a business opportunity, number one. Um, but it's also an individualized approach to healthcare. And so I think that soon everybody will have their doctor in their pocket their psychiatrist in their pocket, their fitness person in their pocket. Now, managing all that background, uh, yeah. you know, all the folks who are on the other side and all the HIPAA compliance and all that, that's an HR nightmare. So good luck to you. Peace <laughs> and blessings because it's going to be tough to make sure that oh, all yeah. of that stuff is compliant. Oh, yes. um, but yeah, I think tele telehealth is here to stay. Wow. Well, I thank you, Dr. Brian, yeah. for being on my show yeah. and educating my audience and telling us all about this amazing business businesses that you have. Uh, I am hoping and praying you expand because our children and adults need psychiatrist and psychologist, and I know how much. Uh, how difficult because I'm a recruiter. My business does it. We we try to find, um, you know, as I told you, I have clients that are counseling uh, companies and trying to find counselors uh, is just difficult. Um, so thank you for educating us i'm so glad you're here did you have any last words yeah so um i always tell folks there is no such thing as crazy okay <laughs> so no such thing as crazy we we as a society have been through a lot let's be kinder to ourselves spend some time breathing and relaxing because we're under a lot of stress so be kinder to yourself be kinder to others and we can build a better society oh well thank you i hope to have you back again I love that. and thank you for to dr brian uh dixon he has a website um it's simply site so you can go out there okay <laughs> and if you need a psychiatrist he's He's got a great practice. So um, again, audience, thank you for viewing this podcast. And Dr. Brian, thank you for being here.